What happens when you stop seeing people behind bars as criminals and start seeing them as human beings? Welcome to Sentences, Storytellers Beyond Bars, the podcast where we explore the impact of the criminal justice system in our communities. Hey everybody, welcome to episode seven? Yeah, episode seven, I think so. <laughs> yeah, am I Alfred? This is Jose. Yeah, and it's weird. Um, people ask me, like, how long have I been, or how long have we been working on this podcast? And I'm like, I think it's been a couple months now, right? Since, mm-hmm. what, since January, February, maybe? Yeah. Um, and then they ask, how many episodes do you have? <laughs> and I'm like, I think it's only six. <laughs> um, I was talking to uh, Pam from Café Con Pam, and she's the one that was like, wow, you skipped a few. I'm like, yeah, you know, we're students. <laughs> life, gets, life gets in the way. Yeah, it did. Those, that last month of the semester was pretty bad. Yeah, and it'll keep it'll keep coming back. But yeah, I think we're pretty good about keeping it keeping it going and mm-hmm. being persistent. So yeah, what are we doing today? Today we're gonna well we're gonna read a piece and we're gonna play a recording of one of the pieces that it, that we stumbled across for the Words on Cage Journal. Did it make it? I feel like it made it to the. Yeah, it did. Okay, it's in there. Um, at first, we actually didn't know where to put it because uh, I think it's a really unique piece and we had uh, four different themes going on in, inside the, the journal and it seemed to fit in all of them so I had suggested to put it towards the beginning kind of like encompassing all the ideas that are in the journal uh, it didn't fly they wanted to put it somewhere so they, <laughs> they figured out a place to put it so uh, I'm curious to this is the first episode we're recording after the whole um, words Encaged Unlock Tomorrow event. Yeah. Right? Finished. Yeah. The closing uh, event was a couple weeks ago? Yeah, a couple weeks ago, a couple weekends ago. Um, and you were, you and Lizette were a big part of that. Uh, yeah. Part of the group that kind of organized uh, um, mm-hmm. the journal editing and all that. And a couple other friends, Ellie and mm-hmm. Eric. Eric. There you yeah. Go. Um, I, I saw a, a copy of the of the journal yeah what, um, did, what did you think i it's it, i can tell it's a very different publisher <laughs> very different um and i and i appreciate i guess it, I, I had an idea it was going to be different but i didn't expect it to be this different and i think that's that's where i'm having a, a tough time um wrapping my head around i like it i think it's a little bit more um quote-unquote i don't know if legit Legitimized is the right word, but I know it has like an ISB number and it, it's on Amazon. It's legitimized because it has a price tag that can be followed through some sort of right information programming. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, that's why legitimized isn't the right word. But you know what I mean. Yeah, it's 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 in a different. It's it's for a, a larger audience. There we go. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, because once once it's online, and it has that. That ISBN 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 number It's trackable It's trackable And now it's It can actually be put Into the Library of Congress If they wanted to Yeah well it's copy It's copywritten right So it has to pass I don't even know What I'm trying to say It can be archived later Yeah exactly Yeah Um, But aside from all that There was some other Issues that you guys Came uh, into with this issue that we didn't necessarily have with the first issue? Oh, it was just a... The issue was editing. Yeah. So that it, it became... Our, our editing group, which was a, a graduate students at Cal State LA, 
None of whom have been formally incarcerated or have been incarcerated, yeah, right? haven't been incarcerated before. And then there was the editing group inside Lancaster, but then it seems like a lot of the editing that ended up in the journal was done by the publishing company themselves. Getting their them getting the work afterwards, not really having much time with it. I don't know how much I agree with it. Yeah. Um, but that's what ended up happening. And that was a huge discussion we had the first for the first issue was since none of us have been formally incarcerated and some since we're essentially editing quote unquote the, mm-hmm. the words um, coming from the from the guys inside the prison, you don't want to be responsible for changing what they want to say, right? Exactly. So, so that w- that was actually the conflict. We felt like we were trying to stick with the these uh, incarcerated students' uh, voice, and in some of the pieces, I felt like they kind of stepped away from that. So. And and the guys from the prison were also very. Um, I guess there was a two, there was a two schools, right? One of them was like, yeah, don't don't edit my voice, and the other mm-hmm. one was like, yeah, make me sound as professional as possible. Exactly. Yeah. And then you as a us as like the editing group were kind of conflicted, and we had to make those decisions of what do we keep. Um, yeah. But I think we did a good job of maintaining a balance last issue because yes. we had that freedom, mm-hmm. right? And then we were, we were able to have that space for those discussions to, and you know sometimes there was correspondence behind back and forth with some of the authors inside the prison mm-hmm. and some of the editors outside and that was great and I think that's what was lost this time around um, yeah it was it was just a lot of last minute shuffling yeah that's what we lost but we also gained this accessibility right oh yeah the, the, what the journal's been doing I mean two two men that were at the closing reception were able to be there because their sentences were commuted because of the previous journal. Oh, wow. So these two men, because they contributed to the journal, they had some sort of material proof that they that they had changed mm. and that they were making some sort of impact in the community outside of their prison. I see. And so, of course, Dr. Roy had a big hand in this where he was advocating for them. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't be able to advocate for them without some sort of material proof for the, of their change, which I think is an amazing thing. And these two men were there, and they uh, expressed their gratitude yeah. and expressed their willingness to continue doing whatever work is needed to, you know, keep keep kids from becoming who they became. And I think you and I have been in this working with this uh, project for a bit, um, yeah. And of course, bonded with quite a few guys. And, mm-hmm. and um, what? How do you establish a boundary between like what you write about and correspond about, and what you can and can't do for them? For example, because there's so many people you're corresponding with, mm-hmm. and, and you know that maybe a character witness letter or something that you can sign can potentially help them um have you had enough have you had many guys or any people you correspond with ask for something like that no um i haven't had anybody ask me for anything like that a lot of the letters are like thank you letters that i get back um with the feedback so we would send back feedback and uh the guys would send us back uh something revised and like a thank you for all the all the notes Mm -hmm. and stuff like that I know that other people got 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 asked to do something like that. Um, mostly from from the larger correspondents outside of Lancaster, because once oh. the first journal was published, a lot of 
people in other in other prisons were became aware of the program and mm-hmm. they wanted to participate, and so they would they knew what good the journal was doing. Yeah. So they they would ask to be in the journal, and then they would ask for something else, a little help to help them get out of whatever problem they were in, or even just uh, wanting to keep like a like a habitual correspondence like yeah. you wanted to keep a connection with somebody outside yeah. for me I feel like because I pulled away from the project a little bit in the past couple months um, the correspondence that I did maintain I felt like I wanted to overcompensate by yeah. oh I can write th- I can write you a letter if you need me to sign something you know I've offered yeah. a couple of times it hasn't come from them but I think that that's something I think is interesting for me to think about yeah um, because we are in a position that we could potentially help yeah. Right. Aside from the journal, aside from this project, and the, on these individual mm-hmm. bases. Yeah. Mo, mo, the the one guy I was uh, corresponding with the most, his name's Mark. He basically just wanted like someone to talk to, like that wasn't part of part of uh, his daily life, I guess. And he submitted a poem which. It was more of a protest, kind of a protest song, so it didn't really fit in the journal. Mm. Um, but I, I, I really liked it. I, I should have brought it with me. We could have that could have been one of the pieces that we read, read today. But I don't have it with me. Um, and he was actually I haven't heard from him, uh, but he might have gotten out because he was going to a lot of parole meetings, oh, yeah. parole hearings, and he said that he was uh, potentially going to be let let out on parole okay so, well hopefully yeah before we get to the piece that we're going to talk about today and we're listening listen to and talk about um Derek Burby the guy I've been corresponding with uh, mm-hmm. from Lancaster he had he wrote like a two-man play or one-man play mm-hmm. and I asked him if we could perform it on the podcast sometime and he said yeah so we'll practice yeah <laughs> outside the recording and then uh I'll see if uh who's interested in performing with, yeah. performing it with me because that'd be great to have that you know we have these other forms of media right that they're being mm-hmm. that they're writing and they're coming out of the prisons right so like these plays these songs so I think that's exciting also to get those yeah. stories out but um so what, what are we listening to today we're gonna listen to Jeff Stein's poem um it's called The Past Is Not The Past um, Who's Jeff Stein? The past is not past. Uh, Jeff Stein is, uh, he was part of the first group um, of the Words Uncaged writers uh, from Lancaster Prison, and he also participated in this this the, uh, second journal. And that's about as much as I know about him. I know that he's a really good writer, and we're about to hear his words. Uh, we recorded this earlier because I have trouble reading live, so... <laughs> <laughs> I think we all get it in our heads, but I think you're fine. Yeah. So, uh, how many takes did this take? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was good. Quite a few. Um, so, yeah, let's let's listen to this piece. So here we go. The past is not the past. Hyper incarcerated poor people of all colors cry out to us. By Jeff Stein. We ate the berries they said were poisonous, heard the songs they said would drive us mad, watched the movies and read the books they said would corrupt us. We fought in battles they did in no way sanction, though they were relevant to us. 
Only their wars are right, good, and just. And we followed prophets they did not endorse or enshrine. They said we were led astray. We were never enfranchised. And so we made our own way, one by one. And by the millions, we ran afoul of what is good and right. Men, women, and children, yes, children, covered in everlasting darkness and chains that bind. But we are not alone. Those who have gone before us surely know, whether already in your relocation centers or waiting to go, we languish apart from and among you, alive and yet unborn. So, wow, that is Jeff Stein's words. The past is not past. Yeah, the past is not past. At first, it has this really dark kind of uh, like aftertaste mm. to it, and I think. But after sitting with it for a bit, because I listened to it after you recorded it a couple times, and um, I like this that it plays with this idea of duality, right? We're both amongst you and apart from you mm-hmm. we um, I think that's something that I don't know we can explore a little bit more if you want or what, what stuck out to you what what sticks out to me is um, kind of showing the the other side of the coin that we that we live in I guess the the kind of unveiling what morality is as in a larger scope because the Jeff Stein is talking about a different way of viewing what is good and what is bad. Oh, okay. So he's telling, he's telling us that he followed certain people that he thought were, were leaders that he can, he can, you know, like give, give himself to and, you know, they're, they're his example Whereas maybe the larger community did not think that way. Um, Is that what he's talking about when he says like we ate the berries? You said were poisonous or whatnot? Yeah, they're 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 doing these things that are counter to what is considered normal in society. Yeah, he's he one of the lines that we fought wars that were uh, not sanctioned by the larger this larger. Uh-huh. Uh, community that we're a part of, and you could see a lot of that right now. I mean, he in that line, you could you could take that and and uh, question what's going on now with ICE. Like, is that that sanctioned war against families? Mm. Like, is is it correct because of the larger government, the larger community uh, is okay with it? So it's cool. I mean, it's it's being done legally. Right. Right. And legality doesn't always equal morality, right? Exactly. And I think that is something that, that is what's going on in that poem. Yeah. Okay. I see that. Yeah. Because at, at first it sounds like he. So when I first heard it, let me think. What I let me walk you through real quick. Because it takes me a while if I'm just listening to something. I need to kind of read it. Mm. But if I'm listening to it and it sounds like we did all the things you told us not to do. Yeah. It sound. It almost sounds like like a rebel cry. It does. Like we did all these things in spite of you, right? But now that I think about it more, it doesn't have that same energy. It just seems more of like 
we just did the things that we, these things that we did just so happen to be it's, things that are against accept, accepted yeah. norms. It's, it, I, I hear a lot of like, um, like he's he's uh, he's talking about like this negative presence, like where we accept that what they're doing only as something negative. That's why when he when he talks about him being in a re, like being in relocation centers, like. They're, they're a negative presence that we are, we're okay with because we can do something with them. Like, we're going to put them here, we're going to put them there. Mm-hmm. That if we were to really accept them, then we would maybe question our own, like, the, the larger, uh, I don't know, the larger problems, like the one I just mentioned with ICE. And so, like, accepting them would force us to come face-to-face face with these accept, questions, yeah, right? to accept ourselves as, as we... Uh, live out our lives because mm-hmm. there's all there's uh, one of the things that came up in a podcast with the revolutionary scholars is doing this podcast uh, like I'm not a, an incarcerated formerly incarcerated person so I am I am in a sense the person that's benefiting from what Jeff Stein is talking about from him not being able to be part of the norm because I am part of the norm. Right, yeah. So so that that's in 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 taking his poem and listening to it and actually reflecting on what he's saying, you you maybe kind of it just destabilizes. Destabilizes your idea. so that you don't you don't keep yourself on this moral higher ground. And I think that's that's Every time I, I hear a discussion about the margins and we live in the margins and the mm. borderlands, right, or whatever, and then we need to center these marginalized communities. Like, what, you, what are you doing when you're centering this marginalized community is that you're decentering another one? Yeah. And you just create, you just perpetuating this margin in some way, mm-hmm. right? And so maybe the answer isn't to decenter and to recenter, but it's maybe just to completely question the entire I, frame, right? Yeah, there's a book that I, that I like to read. It's called Metaphors We Live By. Um, where we seem to like rely on these metaphors too much, like this decentering. Where the metaphor of the circle, the margin, the margin. You're on the perimeter. You're on the center. Or maybe if we use a different metaphor to talk about these things, maybe a metaphor of blood. Like these things need to bleed into each other in order for them to make to be a change. But that's messy, and we don't like messy. It is. It is messy. <laughs> but you you need that mess. I feel like yeah. Yeah. I feel like that mess is happening anyways. We just call it something else. Yeah, because it's ugly. Yeah. And that's the thing. There's there's a level of acceptability when, even when, with a lot of contemporary criticism mm-hmm. that we need to maintain, them, a level of comfort that we must exist within or that it needs to exist within. And I think this poem does a good job of helping us question that comfort level and it forces us to be uncomfortable right because Mm -hmm. if you relate to the speaker in the poem that's scary Mm -hmm. for the listener for the reader right but you at some point in the poem you can't help but to relate to them right because as simple as the first line is right we ate the berries that they told us not to eat Mm -hmm. or they told us we're poisonous how many of us haven't done that right yeah and but how many of us don't really want other people to know that we've done that exactly and so there's a line in his poem where he talks about people being in chains, like men, women, and children. And children. And it's, I mean, you could look at it literally. He's talking about people that are incarcerated. 
or since it is a poem, you can use it figuratively. And he's talking about maybe like these like constraints from society that tell us not to do these certain things. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. And so there, there are children that uh, maybe they, they're starting to smoke weed or uh, marijuana and they feel like, oh, they're doing it to rebel or they're doing it because they need an escape from something. Or maybe but then all of a sudden it becomes like something negative when in reality people drink coffee all the time and that's a stimulant itself and it's not mm-hmm. anything. I don't think it's any different from coffee. That's just my view, but yeah. No, yeah, and I think it's... It's as simple, for me, it's as simple as, like, say, a kid wants, a little boy wants to dress up as a girl. That too, yeah. Right? Exactly. You know, and then yeah. there's a chain mm-hmm. that, that they're forced to exist in. Um, but yeah, this is, I I like doing this, listening to these poems and really yeah. diving deep into them because then it just gives you a, a tiny glimpse into how damaging this incarceration system is, yeah. right? Because look at us, like, we... Not that you have to produce anything of value to be a valuable human being, right? But these people that we're corresponding with and these writers from Lancaster or from other prisons, right? Producing this stuff, writing this stuff, mm-hmm. recording these ideas. Yeah. Um, it's just sad. It's just, it's really depressing sometimes. It, it is. To sit and think with that. Just because, yeah. I, I mean, every time, I, every time I've gone into the prison, I've, uh, and this is coming super from a super privileged position, right? But every time I go in, I, I feel like I, I can stay there longer. You know, I feel like mm. the visits are way too short. I want to talk to everybody. I want to hang out with everybody. Everybody mm. wants to hang out and talk um, and share their story. And I think that's kind of what draws me to people's people's experiences and helps us connect is their stories. Yeah. It's, it's a shame, I think, that you... Uh, let, me, let, me, let me put this in the right, in the right words. Um, that that type of willingness to connect is more apparent in a, in a, in Lancaster, the Lancaster prison, than it is like us walking around here. Like people seem to be so on a track, like one track mind. Yeah. That if you want to start a conversation with somebody, everybody gets like uh, mm-hmm. kind of weird. I mean, I'm kind of like that too. Yeah. I'm a quiet dude, but um. I think there's a there's a lot more um, empathy, right? And I think yeah, uh, from my experience, because even so, I was when I met up with Tin and Billy. I think it was Billy who were, was walking to the Espacio to meet up to record that last episode, and he was telling me, "Oh, there's a fight that was going on out there. These two guys were were arguing," and he was pointing to like some parking lot behind, and he's like, "I think we should go check it out. I want to make sure that they're okay." And my initial response was like, no, no, like we stay out of stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, yeah. I don't want to, you know, that's their thing. But he was, you know, this is like afterwards, I was like, wow, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Like, what, I mean, why, I, why am I the one that's trying to like, no, 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 you know, and he's trying to connect. And that's what was really happening, right? Yeah. This, this, this eagerness to connect. Well, because when maybe this is an assumption, but I mean, he's gone through, if you guys listen to his... Interview. His, his interview he, he's gone through a lot of stuff so maybe there's that that cliche quote that says that uh, the deeper someone has hurt the more empathy they have for others which I think is true to some extent um, he, he's he's made he's gone through so much that he sees a, a conflict 
and he sees the potential for some sort of reconciliation there. Because there's only so much people can beat each other up, I mean. Yeah. So that was that's depressing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's 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 a reality, you know. Um, I'm always complaining. I'm like, how can we make the podcast a little bit more engaging, a little bit more entertaining, <laughs> a little bit more like? I mean, this is some heavy shit. Like, you're not always gonna, you're not always gonna have people laughing. You're not gonna be laughing yourself either. Yeah. Just, so, but I do also want to like I as like I ended the interview last uh, with the last interview I had with Tin and Billy. Like, what's Where's the joy now that you're out? Because they, they were released from a mm-hmm. detention center, right? And if you haven't listened to it, go back and like Jose said, listen to episode six, right? Episode with, six, with yeah. Tin and Billy. They go into some really heavy uh, issues and they, they really delve into the conditions of these detention centers. And yeah. the even like the mental instability of, mm-hmm. of some of the people stuck in there for years at a time, right? And these places that are meant to be transition spaces yeah. end up being these permanent spaces. It's like purgatories. Yeah. Exactly. They're like, immigration purgatories where they don't give you a date of release it's like a, it's like an eternal liminal space right yeah that it can be that's horrible you know yeah. and it could it could turn into a mental um uh etern- eternity yeah you know um so just listening to that i don't know where i was going with that <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm just saying that well, that was really heavy and but i i wanted to end with now that they're out, they're doing all this work, all this social mm-hmm. justice work. Where do they find the joy in life, right? Because for me, it sounds like they're just nonstop trying to go from one march to another, giving mm-hmm. their, donating their time and their story, right? Even to us, different events, and they're always booked. And I was like, what are you guys doing to make sure that you're that you're you're happy out here, right? Yeah. And then their answer, one of them was, I think it was um, Billy Dalton first was like, you know what, this is. This is bringing me joy. Like this is what I this is what I like to do. This is how mm-hmm. I want to give back, and and that's just such a selfless answer. And then I think Billy was saying, "Oh yeah, I think I hugging a tree, you know, like that was yeah. something that going out and spending time with family, like that's those small things, and driving and, and listening to the radio, and just being stuck in traffic, I could still be happy, you know." Yeah. And I was like, "Ah oh, shit, you know, like how for me, because I, I mean, like that just shows how privileged I am." Yeah, you know? I mean. I feel the same way. It shows that how much we take for granted. Yeah. That's one of the previous episodes where uh, we read the story or the story to imagine angels. Mm. That's kind of a similar similar sentiment to Billy's wanting Billy wanting to hug a tree. Like they're these birds that seem out of place in this like concrete geometric space, and somehow just their presence brings life to the narrator in the story or disturbs the sterile environment disturbs the sterile environment it it now becomes some sort of organic space because of these these birds yeah it's kind of like this idea of the center cannot hold yeah right like this is only this is temporary yeah um i forgot what i was gonna say i don't know but I, i was thinking about the revolutionary scholars, right? Yeah. Bringing them back. And I know Lily is going to be back for a couple episodes. I'm excited That's about great. that. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would love to hear all their individual stories again, because I feel like what we got was like a taster, mm-hmm. you know, and as, as important and as, as impactful that interview was, I feel like there's so much more to each one of those stories um, that I'm sure they're willing to share. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of, you know, but I'm also going to ask them too. Like, what are you doing for fun? Because that's a lot of work, right? This like burden 
this, yeah. I guess this burden of like social change falls on clearly the people that are most impacted. Yeah, you know I was about I mean? to say the people that are affected by it. Instead of somebody stepping up to, you know, somebody that is privileged stepping up to help them out, it seems like mm-hmm. the person that is impacted the most always has to do the bulk of the work that's what i was going to say too when tin and billy were here i, I remember apologizing over and over again i'm sorry it's so hot in here i'm sorry it's because it was a pretty warm day but yeah. i think uh we had the air conditioner off because it, mics will pick it up and mm-hmm. it would just be really uh distracting and then tin and billy were like no no we're fine we've been in worse and i was like oh shit like <laughs> i know <laughs> and, then they, they, and then they went on to describe what they were talking about yeah. and I'm like, i get it you know but no i don't get it and uh, here we are complaining about oh, it's so warm in here. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then they're like, "No, we're fine. Just stop. Like, this record just gets us done." <laughs> I just felt like an asshole that day. <laughs> Afterwards, I was like, "What's wrong with them?" No, but they're great. They're um, yeah, yeah. Uh, recently, I got approached to transcribe some stuff for another journal, another prison writing journal. Oh, okay, okay. And so. I've been doing a lot of that, and I guess this journal is going to be just for um, the incarcerated people, the incarcerated students. It's going to be distributed within the California... So is it a collection from various prisons? Yes, from various prisons. Or county jails? County jails, and they're going to be sectioned off by by prison and by yard. Hmm. So each section is a prison and a yard. And but they're all going to get the same They're all going to get the same... It's like a chat book, so they're all going to get the same chat book. Um, wow. And it's been... It's different from the Words and Cage because it isn't creative writing, per se. Mm-hmm. It's a very personal, like, kind of journal writing. And so it's been taking me... I do a few pieces a day because it's really heavy stuff. Oh, yeah. And But it's great to to work with in this... Uh, type of with this type of work again I feel like it's something that is helping out that community inside because that is the chapbook itself is going to be a way for them to kind of empathize with their with each other hmm. um, a lot of there's a lot of thing a lot of connections between the writings that's what I was going to ask yeah. you are you noticing some like narrative arc patterns that yeah. you, you know a lot of the what are they when they're writing for a um, parole Mm-hmm. What, what's it? No, nothing like that. The so they're not. They're like I said. They're like journal entries. Okay. Where they journal entries are letters. So there's like letters to, the letter to a daughter, um, a journal entry about a, what happened on a their favorite Christmas day or mm-hmm. stuff like that, or some place that they that they really enjoyed as a child. Like mm-hmm. I just read a piece about a treehouse which was like it was too emotional to like do anything after that yeah I had to stop for the day because it just the the piece was the piece was called um this is not my home Hmm. but then the whole piece is about this place that he really loves which was his treehouse and then it ends but this was not my home and it's like it was too heavy because in in him in him describing something so beautiful, uh-huh. you get without him having to say any anything else about his home, uh-huh. you tend to understand that his home is the opposite of this place that he loved so much. So it was just a lot a lot to deal with. Just because the the things he was saying about the treehouse were very intimate and personal. Um, 
and the idea of home, right? That's yeah. being displaced and being. Because mm-hmm. uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, today was a good day, mm-hmm. right? Where he's re- describing this day that you think that like there's what's a big deal, yeah. right? You know, okay, you weren't harassed by cops. Okay, you weren't shot. Okay, whatever, yeah. right? That's a normal day, but. Like, the reality is, like, that's not the norm for these people. Yeah. Right? And that's not something that they get to experience on a daily basis. And this idea of home, that's shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we can wrap this up for now. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on? No, here? I mean, no. <laughs> this is this could be a short, sweet episode. I like yeah. it. I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, also, don't forget to... So, before we end uh, the episode, I kind of wanted to... Thank you all for listening, for waiting, um, for being patient. If you haven't already done so, make sure you subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud or and or SoundCloud. And if you are on iTunes, um, make sure you find us and give us a five-star rating. And uh, if you like us. <laughs> and if you don't like us, still give us a five-star rating. <laughs> and give us a review and send any questions you may have to sentencespodcast at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, uh, yeah anything really you want to say or have any suggestions for the future episodes or if you know of maybe a resource that might be helpful for us to publicize on the on the on the podcast i we really appreciate that if you send it to uh, sentences podcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. um and as always thanks again for tuning in until next time this is alfred and this is Jose. bye bye